When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for hockey and basketball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. Hey, welcome to the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer. Derek Wetmore joins remotely. I'm in Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine. He is in Fort Myers, Florida for spring training. I lost that coin flip. There's a little bit of static on Derek's end, but it only lasts for the first uh, first third of this podcast a little bit, so bear with us through that. We touched on some combine topics, including one uh, problem facing the NFL with offensive line prospects, which the Vikings are definitely in on heading into this draft. Then we uh, go into receivers, what they're looking for there, what we've gleaned from conversations with Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, and then we end with, would you rather be a cat or a dog? Other important questions from the combine. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down, then get a touchdown. Rock em, suck em, fight, 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 fight. Andrew, I saw you caught up with Vikings GM Rick Spielman the other day. I imagine with the assembled media. But uh, you wrote a piece about wide receivers and their height. Can you explain to me why that impacts the Vikings, not only with the current roster, but maybe what it might look like in the future as well? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, Derek, is that people just kind of assume, uh, well, Teddy Bridgewater didn't have much of a tall receiver last year. He was inaccurate downfield. So uh, let's just get a tall guy and everything's going to work out. Um, I I don't think that's necessarily the case. Uh, and the Vikings view that as well. Uh, you can't just say, "Oh, Josh Doxson from TCU uh, is six foot four, so let's take him twenty third overall." Uh, it's there's a lot more that goes into it. You look at a guy like Stephon Diggs. Um, Stephon Diggs was six foot, uh, very talented, obviously, but he wasn't the biggest guy. He's not. A, he's not. You know, Calvin Johnson by any stretch. Um, but you've got a guy that has such a long arms. Uh, I think he measured out with like. 31 and a quarter inch arms and uh, for reference Cordero Patterson only has a half an inch on him yet he's got two inches in height and so other things go into it 
Uh, when you get into the sports science of it too, you start digging into more of the analytics stuff. And okay, if you if you add his vertical jump with uh, his arm reach, how long is his catching radius? And they kind of put all that stuff together. Uh, and so maybe somebody who's six foot like Stefan Diggs is actually a better vertical target than somebody who's six two like you know Cordero Patterson, for instance, who uh, you know is still a freak athletically, but certainly not the polished receiver. So, uh, but with uh, what Rick Spielman was basically saying is that. They're not going to box themselves in to having to take a tall receiver just because they feel they need one. Now, it is a need. Uh, They need somebody in there besides Kyle Rudolph that can challenge defensive backs, not only for those 50-50 balls, but also uh, in the end zone, in the goal line. They had one of the worst red zone offenses last year, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that they couldn't run in short yardage situations because of how uh, shorthanded their offensive line was. Uh, and also because they just couldn't pass the ball in tight windows, and they didn't have that go-up-and-get-it guy. Uh, and so I think that's a big reason why they're they're looking for somebody, a big physical receiver. That just doesn't necessarily mean tall. Let me ask you, though, wide receiver, I won't ask you to rank it in terms of area of need, but what I do want from you, Andrew, is if you uh, were looking at this roster, the way the Vikings are currently constructed and, and what they need to do next season, what should be the biggest off-season priority above anything else? Oh, I think we've talked about it uh, at length. It's got to be the offensive line. Uh, I think it just has to be because uh, this is uh, this is a team where the defense ranked uh, among the top tier in scoring and limiting opponents, uh, and you had a middle-of-the-road offense uh, that averaged, I believe they were 16th, which is exactly dead, dead center uh, in terms of production uh, in points for offense. They, they got to address... Uh, They've got to address the tackle spots. I believe Matt Khalil is going to stay. Um, That's not a guarantee until he's on the roster March 9th when he's guaranteed $11 million. Um, But I believe he'll be here. But then the questions are at center and right tackle, where John Sullivan and Phil Lotholt are coming off major injuries. And you need to have, even if they were healthy, you need to prepare for the future because they're both 31, 32 years old. Uh, and so you've got to figure out what you're doing there. So it's the offensive line to me. That's the biggest thing. Uh, we've gone over that so many times. But now talking to, to some of the prospects here at the Combine, um, a lot of them feel like they can be pro-ready, even though a lot of them haven't played in pro offenses. And that is concerning to all 32 teams, not just the Vikings. Uh, but I think it's especially concerning to the Vikings as they look to bolster this offensive line through the draft. Yeah, Andrew, I saw your story on that on 1500ESPN.com about how, and whose quote was it even that said, heck, even my sixth grade son's team is running the spread offense. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, John Schneider, the Seahawks GM. Yeah, and so the question then becomes like, all right, maybe they can't fix the system at large. I don't think any one team could unilaterally say, all right, well, we'll fix this by teaching offensive linemen these techniques at, at high school or, or even on down, but... I guess, what are some of the specifics that playing in a spread offense, say, in college, why would that hamper someone who's maybe going to be big and talented? Like, I'll just take uh, uh, Matt Khalil, for example. Someone who's, like, always been big and talented and was clearly targeted for the NFL. Why would playing in a spread offense hamper his development or make him a worse NFL prospect? Uh, well, the biggest thing is just the style of play. Uh, it's it's so nuanced. For instance, uh, in a spread offense, you're, it's, it is what it sounds like. Uh, you know, I don't need to get into the basics of that, but how it affects offensive linemen is your spreads, meaning your distance between each player, is going to be wider. 
the competition is just inherently not as good, uh, but that's across the board regardless of what you play. Uh, the schemes itself, uh, for instance, running game schemes in college, you hear from NFL coaches, they're a lot more inside-outside zones and less man-to-man and double teams. And if you went back and look at what the Vikings did last year, it was all man-to-man double teams because they had to rely on getting two bodies on one NFL defensive lineman because of how short-handed they were and how poor some of their guys were playing. Uh, and you don't have guys who are used to playing those kinds of styles. Uh, I talked to one NFL prospect offensive lineman who said he hadn't pulled in four years of college. That's that's abs- that's absurd. That's such a, a bread and butter thing in the NFL. And this guy was a potential second, third round pick, so or at least projected to be. So it's it's just one of those things where you have so many different um, concepts in the NFL where offenses are varied. Um, But in college, it is easier on a quarterback and it is easier on receivers to run spread offenses, which just means that you're in the shotgun, uh, you're getting the ball out quicker. It's also easier on offensive linemen because you don't have to hold up as long. You're not doing deep play action drops. Just basically think of Norv Turner's offense in the seven-step drop and think of just the exact opposite, which is that shotgun, get it out quick, um, and just play, you know, cater to kind of uh, your linemen, uh, make it easier on them. Well, it's why a guy, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I'll be honest, I didn't watch a lot of the Houston Cougars games from a couple of years ago, but why a guy like Case Keenum can pick apart college defenses, stick in a system for long enough, learn the system inside and out, spread all your receivers, start in the shotgun so you can see where everyone's going to be. You can watch the play develop in front of you like you're playing Madden, get it out in two and a half seconds, and boom, you're throwing for 400, 500 yards a game. Exactly. Yeah. And the biggest thing too, is it's, it's not just with offensive linemen, this affects every position on offense. Uh, and it's, and it affects defense too, because they're only used to seeing a certain style of offense. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. This isn't everywhere. Uh, Michigan state, Alabama, those are teams that run more pro style offenses. Uh, so you're going to find those prospects out there. Uh, they're just not going to be as abundant. Um, but you're right. You go in and look at uh, quarterback like Taylor Heineke with the Vikings. He he played with Old Dominion. They they ran what was called an air raid offense, and that is exactly how it sounds. And that's just throw, 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 spread it out, toss it around. And he said he hadn't taken a snap under center since he was in high school before he got to the oh, NFL. Geez. That's how. Might want to keep that one to yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's how different though the play can be in college. Sure. Yeah. I also saw you talking, Mike Zimmer's down there at Indianapolis, obviously. Uh, He wasn't busy this weekend, I guess. Um, (laughs) He had mentioned something about safety position and Harrison Smith, and that's something, Andrew, when when I used to be on this wonderful podcast every week, we talk about uh, Harrison Smith. Look, he's great, and he does a lot of things in a multiple you know, multiple different ways that, that help the Vikings. And I think, frankly, Harrison Smith is going to be good for Mike Zimmer and vice versa. They've already kind of shown that to be true. Uh, what else did he say about the safety position? And what more do you know now this week that we maybe wouldn't have known a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago when the season ended? Yeah, well, this is something, too, that had been hinted at least a little bit last summer. I remember talking uh, to the defensive backs coach, Jerry Gray, uh, about what they were looking for in that second safety spot. Uh, just to set the table here, uh, Harrison has had four different starting teammates next to him in each season opener he's played in the NFL. Uh, he's gone through Mr. See. Raymond, Jamarcus Sanford, Robert Blanton, and now Anderson Dejo. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have gotten Mr. Raymond, man. That's good for you. <laughs> that's a good recall you got there. Uh, that's that's something too. Yeah, exactly. Where they need to find somebody to kind of you know be able to play next to him. But the the thing is, it's not to find somebody 
uh, that's a capable NFL player. It's to to kind of pair with Harrison. It's it's a unique yeah. safety is a unique position where it's it's kind of more like linebacker where if you've got one strong giant guy like Anthony Barr, uh, you want to pair him maybe with a smaller faster guy like Eric Kendricks. And that's the kind of thing where you want to you want your teammates to play to their strengths, and that's really important on the back end at safety. Where Mike Zimmer said today, uh, Thursday of this week at the combine, that he needs to find the right kind of skill set from a, a safety to pair with Harrison in order to make Harrison more impactful. Because right now, uh, what the Vikings have done is uh, they've had to use him in safer spots, where maybe if you've got a, a cover safety that you trust. You can leave a cover safety back there. This is how I, I, I kind of put it. You've got Cam Chancellor in the Seattle Seahawks, a big bruising guy, uh, a box safety. Harrison's a lot more like that. Harrison is a lot more like Cam Chancellor than he is like Earl Thomas. They need an Earl Thomas, which he's the highest paid safety in the league, so good luck finding him. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But they need to find a guy who's uh, a great cover, has great range, and, can, and you can leave him in single high situations because they love to play cover three. They love to play bump and run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't have that guy, let's face it, Sandejo's not that guy. Sandejo grew a lot right. last year. I thought he got a lot better. Um, but he doesn't make plays on the ball. He shrinks. And that's something Jerry Gray told me last summer. Like, look, we need somebody who can make plays on the ball, and we don't have that outside of Harrison Smith. And so if you're playing in a situation where you're fearful of guys throwing over the top on you, you have to put Harrison back there. And that means you don't have your best safety attacking the quarterback, or your your best box safety attacking the quarterback. So the Vikings have their Cam Chancellor. They need their Earl Thomas. (laughs) I think... Andrew, I think that's almost akin to saying, you know, this this podcast is really good. Uh, Andrew Kramer brings it strong with the Vikings analysis. And in season, Derek Wetmore's predictions are almost flawless to a fault. But you know what that podcast could really use? Colin Cowherd and Bill Simmons. If you could just kind of get those two guys on there, it would be a better podcast. You know what? I agree with you, though. That's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah. Well, all right. I'm not going out on much of a limb there. Um, hey, I want to I wanna shift gears a little bit, and it's not so much combine-focused as it is just kind of team-focused. You guys, I'm sure you've beaten this one to the ground, but you and I haven't talked about this on a podcast yet. With the hires that the Vikings made on the offensive coaching staff, um, have you learned, I guess I'll ask specific to the combine, have you learned anything new this weekend, but more of a broad brushstroke, have you really chewed on that idea and how it might impact not only the Vikings and North Turner, but I guess what it might do to the offense going forward as early as 2016. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've learned about the hirings uh, with Pat Shermer, obviously as tight ends coach, Tony Sperano as O-line coach, uh, is that they or Mike Zimmer hopes that both are going to have a strong influence on Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, this this isn't something where they're bringing these guys in to totally overhaul what they're doing, uh, but they're bringing them in, for instance, Mike Zimmer said it today, where uh, he said, Pat Shermer's got a lot of experience in a West Coast offense with quarterbacks out of the gun. Uh, I want Pat Shermer to be able to help Teddy Bridgewater in that area. And then he says, Tony Sperano, same thing except under center. I want him to be able to help Teddy in that area. And so he's got visions for what he expects these coaches to contribute for their young quarterback. And let's, even though Adrian Peterson's still on this roster and will be the focal point of this offense, they are grooming Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, could be 2017, could be 2018. They are grooming for him, 
they're grooming him for life after Adrian Peterson. And that is going to be when this offense, as Mike Zimmer said today, becomes Teddy's baby. And that's going to be something um, where you need to have a quarterback who can put the weight on his shoulders and carry an offense. Uh, And I think it's beneficial to have a running back like Adrian Peterson to lessen that load early on. Uh, But eventually those reins are going to be handed over to Teddy. And they're looking at this coaching staff now as the group, the veteran group that can bring a lot of different ideas and try to find the perfect system to fit Teddy Bridgewater. I think that's basically what I've learned most out of these guys. Now, what remains to be seen is how these conversations, how the game planning is going to happen uh, once they're done with the addition process of the offseason. That's really not going to start until May and June, and then we'll really figure out what this offense is going to look like. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the baby quote because that kind of caught my attention too. Um, Teddy's baby, is there a joke to be made in there? Like eventually don't they want it to sort of be Teddy's young adult or uh, Teddy's (laughs) capable adult who can compete with some of the better offenses in the NFL? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's – I don't expect them to – uh, actually use that phrase literally, Derek. <laughs> okay, I know yeah. you I know you like to attack uh, cliches like that and like to chop right. them down, but um, no, no. I, I would assume they would want it to be a full-grown man. Uh, yeah, not, <laughs> yeah, not just a baby. Are you, are you saying maybe they need to crawl before they can walk? Would that be fair to say? <laughs> yes, that would be fair to say. God, yeah. that's, that's so bad. That's so bad. Um, let's talk quickly about Adrian Peterson, though, too, because that is – as we are recording this episode, um, that is the top story on our website right now, the centerpiece on 1500ESPN.com. I suppose it's not really a centerpiece if we don't print a paper, though, is it? What would you call it? Uh, featured story, maybe? Sure. There, oh, that's, that's perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. Uh, story that you wrote, Andrew Kramer, from the Combine in Indianapolis on Vikings running back Adrian Peterson. Take me through uh, that story, what it said for anyone, any of our listeners who have not read that, um, what what that boils down to. Well, yeah, you got to love good uh, February headlines. I'll be the first to tell you guys that uh, readers, listeners, that, you know, anything, you got to take everything with a grain of salt this month, especially when we're talking about what's going to happen eight months down the road or in mm-hmm. this case, six months down the road. Um, this is something where the Vikings feel Adrian Peterson, uh, they have the utmost confidence in him and they feel he can handle another workload like he had last season. Now, Adrian carried the ball 39 times more than any other running back in the NFL. And the most important part of all that, and obviously led the league in rushing, the most important part of all that is he remained relatively healthy. Uh, and after a season off, uh, to see him do that, that's encouraging for anybody, especially people in the Vikings organization uh, who are wondering how long is Adrian going to be able to keep up this level of play. Uh, but at the same time, you could tell that that wear and tear was starting to grind on him toward the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, going into going into last season, the Vikings did not have a governor on him in terms of snap, or excuse me, in terms of carries. They did want to limit him in terms of snaps. I wouldn't be surprised going forward if they wanted to limit his carries a little bit more, especially uh, as Jarek McKinnon showed at the end of last season that he's capable of producing in this offense. And Jarek will be entering his third year, and and I think that's when you want to start handing him a little bit more of a bigger role, especially when Jarek's the guy that Adrian pointed to at the end of last season (laughs) and said, hey, I want to be a better fit for this offense like Jarek McKinnon. And, I mean, that's high praise coming from a guy like Adrian. So... Um, uh, but the, the article was about how Mike Zimmer said, uh, yeah, 
Adrian can handle, because the question was asked, now that he's going to be 31, do you need to limit his workload? And he said, no, I think he can handle the same workload. But keep in mind, in 2012, and this is a different kind of angle, but I remember in 2012, Leslie Frazier said, hey, Adrian's coming off an ACL tear. We'll be happy if he can carry it 10 times in the first season, or excuse me, in the first uh, week of the season. And then he ends up uh, 2,100 yards and did not need any kind of easing into. So it's all going to really, it's all going to play into how does Adrian kind of develop over the next six months? Uh, Does he stay healthy, obviously? Uh, And then can he kind of match what this offense wants to do? Uh, I saw misleading. I saw misleading headlines uh, from people kind of, you know, re-aggregating these stories and saying, "Oh, Mike Zimmer said he'll have the same role." No, that's not what he said. He said he can handle the same yeah. role. Those are two completely different. Yeah, things. Yeah, important distinction there, and kind of a follow-up point to that. Uh, maybe I'm stating the obvious. Maybe I'm going too far. So put me back in line if I've fallen out here, Andrew. But uh, we like. I've never Jared had a McKinnon problem doing that. that. Yeah, I know. I, I realized <laughs> I don't need to give you permission in that arena. Um, we like Jarek McKinnon in that role, right? I mean, I, I don't expect the offense to look exactly the same, but in terms of a guy who showed not only that he could understand, but also physically handle things like blitz pickup, he's also, I think, has better hands than Adrian. He's not going to put the ball on the ground. And does he have the home run potential that Adrian has? Maybe not, but in terms of a solid all around back, it seems to me like the Vikings have done fairly well with that draft pick. Oh, absolutely. Especially a guy who was a third round pick, uh, right. triple option, triple option quarterback at Georgia Southern. Yeah, you're right. I, I like, I like Jarek McKinnon in that role. I think the Vikings really like what they saw out of him at the end of the season. I went back and looked at some of the numbers for that story I wrote for 1500ESPN.com. Um, and it surprised me. McKinnon had averaged over eight yards per touch in the final four games. And that wow. was over something like 40 touches. So, I mean, that's that's great production for a guy um, that really was not used much until the end of the season. Uh, he fits that well. He fits what Norv Turner wants to do. He can carry the ball out of the shotgun. Uh, he doesn't lose a step when he sidesteps like that, where Adrian might kind of get hesitant uh, in those situations. And mm-hmm. he's a smooth receiver. When he catches the ball, he doesn't lose stride. Uh, he doesn't lose focus when he's, he's watching the ball into his hands. And he doesn't have a fumble problem, or at least not one that we're aware of at this point. So right. uh, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Jarek really does fit this offense. But there's a big question mark, though, in terms of can a guy go from a side piece into a 20-25 a carry back? Uh, we don't know mm-hmm. that about Jarek McKinnon. Uh, <laughs> what we do know is that I think he can be a solid third down back for them, if not more. Yeah. Are, are, uh, are we using the term side piece now to refer to, say, a complimentary running back or, or something like that? Yeah, I don't mean to refer to it uh, as maybe some of these NFL Combine questions will be, how many side pieces do you have? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I don't mean to refer to it in that sense. A, a complimentary piece, I should say. Fair enough. Uh, although, never mind. I'd just rather cut the argument <laughs> off there. Uh, um, one question, and then I want to ask you about those uh, uh, strange combine questions and and your opinion on them but uh, salary cap projected to go up in the nfl in the future what what if any impact will that have on the vikings yeah it'll have an impact across the league in terms of there's going to be some teams here uh, before i get to the vikings there's going to be some teams here uh, i think the raiders the jaguars um where the cba when it came out in 2011 uh, i think there was a five-year rule where 
uh, you needed to spend 95% of your salary cap room over that five years. Well, we're bumping up into that five-year window now. I think this offseason is the fifth one. And now all those teams have to spend, spend, spend all their money to get up to that floor. The Vikings aren't one of those teams. And so that actually could throw a wrench into some of the free agent stuff. But the thing is, I don't think the Vikings will have to worry too much because they don't get into many bidding wars. Um, But there will be teams out there that have a lot more money to spend than the Vikings uh, in free agency. And so that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Um, But the Vikings carried over $2 million in cap room they had from last year. I believe the last projections I saw, they're estimated to have something like $25 million. Now, if the salary cap keeps rising, it could be $30 million in room that they could have. And that's before uh, adjusting a cap figure like Mike Wallace's, which is $11 million. Uh, and, right. and that's still on the books for the full amount. So, And that's, that's with p- potentially $25, $30 million in cap room. So uh, they're going to be safe. And Rob Brzezinski, the, the cap guru with the Vikings, does a great job. Uh, they really are never in cap purgatory, you know, like you see a New Orleans Saints team is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think they're going to be able to be really flexible with a guy like Harrison Smith, uh, who is deserving and will likely get a multi-year extension here soon. Um, but at the same time, they're going to keep one eye down the road because uh, not too long from now, Xavier Rhodes, Sharif Floyd are two first round picks that are also going to be needing extensions uh, probably a year from now. Sure. Uh, Andrew, if, if you got lost in the woods, how would you get out? <laughs> Oh boy, um, that's that's a good question. I've spent right, a lot time, of time. In the- time, thank you. Uh, next question. <laughs> if so you could I, be I a dog <laughs> or a cat, how would you? Dog, and it's not even like close. Cats are terrible people. I don't know if you know that. That's that's the right answer. Uh, welcome to the. I I don't know what team I'm representing. I'm a freelance. Welcome. Welcome to the Cleveland scout. Browns. Yeah, right, yeah. I'm a, uh, I'm a freelance scout at the NFL Combine offering my services for anyone who will pay the right price. So did you find that job as a strength and positioning coach? No. <laughs> um, a couple of people, a couple of our loyal listeners reminded me on Twitter once the Vikings filled their strength and conditioning coach role, they asked me if this if this meant that I was ending my search and to answer all of those questions, thank you, by the way, on Twitter for pointing that out, everyone. I am putting it on pause. I'd say I'm suspending my search. I'm not canceling it indefinitely because I, I feel like the NFL Combine might be some real fertile ground for, for someone like me who I, I'm, I've decided, Andrew, I don't know if I told you this, but I updated my LinkedIn profile and my resume to reflect this. Um, dropping the strength portion from it because I honestly, I think... I wish I had someone tell me this earlier, but I do feel a little bit like that's what was holding me back. People look at this skinny kid who's five foot nine, and the most weight training he does is carrying his heavy backpack around from sporting event to sporting event. And they said, strength coach, I don't get it. Um, I'm, I'm focusing now specifically on the positioning aspect of it, where I, I take NFL position players and just tell them what position they'd be best suited to play. You need to find some better buzzwords. I'm thinking something like uh, grit and positioning coach. Um, grit, emphasizing specialist coordinator. A G-E-S-C? Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. See, that's just it. you got to find some buzzwords to play to your strengths. It's all about spinning it. You're going out for a job. Anybody going to a job interview, 
Let's see. I'm a uh, quality assurance uh, specialist for a Fortune 500 company, uh, Kraft Foods. Oh, oh, oh! So you uh, pick shards of metal out of mac and cheese? Uh, perfect. You just got to find a way to spin it. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. All right. I don't know if you intended to do this, but I think you just earned five percent as my new agent. Nice. Perfect. So that'll Congrats. give me how that'll give me how much a free drink. Uh, we, yeah, we, we, we don't talk about that just yet. We, we're not at the point where we're talking financials. Um, what, what does, what the heck does the NFL think it's doing with these weird, um, Rorschach tests for NFL prospects asking them weird questions just to try to knock them off balance or, or, or what's your opinion on the way that the combine goes down like that? Well, here's what happens here. You, you get a bunch of sports guys, a bunch of football guys, and they hire psychologists, and they have to trust these guys then. You know, and they're sports psychologists, too. They're not just, you know, uh, shrinks. Uh, but you hire these guys then to kind of figure out who these guys are, and I think they go over the top with it. I just I don't understand, and I guess maybe it's just over my head, and I'm not smart enough to understand this, but how is a guy saying... You weren't in the rap- room... How is a guy saying if he's going to be a cat, rather be a cat or a dog going to tell you about his type of personality? I just think, I mean, I, I read one question too, and, and I think this was, it was some CBS reporter. He said one prospect told him uh, that they asked him if he was attracted, or one team asked a prospect, was he attracted to his mother? I'm like, what? Like, ah. wh- what? Like, how is yeah. that? How is that going Why to tell relevant. you? Not only what kind of person that guy, unless he says yes, like that's the only way you're going to find, okay, maybe we got 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 a screw loose here. I just, I don't understand how that's going to tell you anything. I don't get it. Cause you get, I, I fif- you get 15 minutes with these kids. Like it's a limited amount of time and you're going to be spending yeah. a bulk of that asking about how you get out of the woods if you got lost. <laughs> I, I don't know if you knew this actually, Andrew, but um, Oedipus in his day was quite the free safety. He was quite the. <laughs> I did not know that actually. Could he really? Uh, could he play a mean cover two? It is a forgotten. No, cover two was not around by then. I think uh, uh, when what was it? Uh, Bucks under. Um, oh, who who was the innovator of that? Was that Tony Dungy? Uh, you're thinking. You're thinking. Of, you're thinking of Monty Kiffin. He was the D Monty coordinator. Kiffin. Yeah, he was Thank the D you. coordinator. And yeah. and. I think actually to just extend this back, I, I'm pretty sure Oedipus predates when they were running that cover two or Tampa <laughs> two or whatever you want to call it. Um, he was just one of those guys labeled as an athlete. But yeah, forgotten fact: uh, history <laughs> history tends to forget those things, but uh, not my steel trap of a memory. Ninety-five percent of Uber Eats orders are on time, which is great because when I want my spicy shrimp pad thai, I want it on time. Because baby, there's no time like the present especially when it's Pad Thai related. But on the off chance your order is late, Uber Eats will give you three months, $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. On time, Pad Thai, baby. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19 Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto-renew at nine ninety nine each month, starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimum supply.